Hello there. <laughs> okay, everybody, welcome back. I know we've been on hiatus for a while here. Me and me and Davy Boy haven't got <laughs> together to record any episodes in a while, but here we are. We're back, and we're gonna try to keep it coming. We left off on the Woodstock. Yeah, episode. I was, yeah, I think uh, we've covered everything up until Woodstock, and now we're about to get into it. Yeah, Woodstock. Yeah. They Summer of 69. Welcome to Vintage and Soft. With two high fits. Welcome to Vintage and Welcome to Vintage and Soft. With two high fits. Welcome to Vintage and Welcome to Vintage and Soft. Two high fits. Welcome to Vintage and Welcome to Vintage and Soft. Vintage and Soft. We got vintage clothing by the rack. Yeah. Just check out my Insta. How you gon' argue with that? You see I manifest I'm an architect I think I'ma run it back We got vintage clothing by the rack Just check out my Insta How you gon' argue with that Everything you see I manifest I'm an architect I think I'll have some of that Great summer (laughs) The war was peaking I was losing all kinds of friends Protests were out of control, and the head shop was booming. And, um, yeah, they came over. I don't know how it happened, but they called me. They came to the head shop, and they invited me to set up this shop at Woodstock. They came to you? Yeah, somebody who was involved with Woodstock came. and They just showed up at the shop? Showed up at the shop, and I was there, and they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, yeah. That's wild. Yeah. What was it like to lose friends at that time? Oh my God, it was terrible. So would you just everybody would always be hearing about people dying? All yeah, the time? people from my class especially. I graduated in '63, so '64, a got buddy of mine signed up actually right after he graduated, and he was one of the first guys killed in New Hampshire in '64, early '65. Wow, a lot of guys killed, man. It was a terrible war. Nobody wanted it. And, um, yeah. I didn't have to worry about it because I was in college. I had my head shops. I had my bookstore. If you were in college, you got exempt from the You got an exemption. But in 69 and early 70, he took away the exemptions. And I got literally called up to the draft board. But anyway, let's talk about Woodstock. So I got... uh, Okay, so you're at the beach. Someone walks into your store. Yeah, and I said, I'm doing it. So I packed the van. I had, I think I had two vans. I had two vans full of stuff. They gave me this place. If you watch the movie in the Bindi Bazaar, you'll see a sign. It's up for about 16, 17 seconds called Xanadu. It's in the Woodstock movie. Yeah, this is the Netflix special that just released. Yeah. So go Netflix. Watch that Woodstock doc. It'll tell you all about it for those that don't know about Woodstock. It's a really good show. And yeah, Dave's booth is in there. Xanadu, right? Yeah, Xanadu. And what then did it say on it? It said Xanadu, you know, pipes, papers, and all that stuff. <clears throat> and then if and then it goes next door to the sign and gives you about ten or fifteen, twelve seconds splan of the booth. It was really fun. All the booths in the Bindi Bazaar had a big kind of um, Indian patchwork quilt as a roof cool <laughs> yeah all of them had that they yeah just set and, it up. and it was all in the woods 
It's pretty great. Yeah, let's rewind for a second. So someone comes to your store and they say, we're doing this festival. It's Woodstock. It's going to have some sick musicians at it. Everybody. Like, what, what at that time was your perception or your you know, thoughts on that festival? Because you wouldn't have any idea that what you were about to attend would have any cultural significance at all. Well, I, we've been hearing about Woodstock for a long time. It was a huge deal. And every day and every week they would be announcing, like, Jimi Hendrix, Crosby, Stills, Nash. Uh, I mean, everybody. Uh, my favorite was Sly and the Family Stone. I mean, that was the greatest show I've ever seen in my life. I, I mean, we're talking midnight Saturday. It rained all day Saturday. Everybody was soaked, wet. People running around neck, naked. Half a million kids. It was incredible. Midnight, Saturday night, everybody stoned, including me and my whole staff. We closed the booth. He did 35 minutes of going to take you higher. The place went crazy. Going to take you higher. Here, <laughs> it was insane, man. Sly and the Family Stone, check that out. Four hundred fifty to five hundred thousand people. Saturday night, midnight, Such getting an epic experience. Epic, epic, epic. So, like, <clears throat> g- g- give us the run up of Woodstock. Like, you just loaded the van, and then who went with you? Oh, I took uh, Susie Gold. I took. Uh, I took. My brother went. My buddy Billy Adams. He came for a couple days and then left in the middle. He helped us set up. They were just... So, like, from the video, they're saying they got way more people that came than were supposed to come. Oh, yeah. That was the big thing with Woodstock is it was way over-attended. They had no idea everyone was going to come. So there was traffic backed up for, like, 20 miles. Oh, 50 miles. So how the hell did you get in, and how did I I came the day before it started. So there was no traffic when you came? Well, there was some traffic, but I came the day before it started to set up the booth. And we camped out, and there was a group uh, of, I can't remember the name now. It was like a family. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> the name, but they had, there was a family that had a huge feed the people thing. So they were cooking 24-7, and um, we ate there. There was hardly any food there, so if you didn't bring food, you were in big trouble. Um, because the, the well, they were they set up a community kitchen, but then it just was too many people, right? Yeah, too many people. But they they kept cooking. I don't know how they got the food. They had rice and beans the whole weekend. We we did not starve, and uh, it was great. And and we sold out everything before it even rained. Next to me was um, Paul Crest. Sold out of everything you had. Yeah, before it rained, <laughs> everything except the army jackets. I brought. 200 army rain jackets in case it rained and I just couldn't sell them I gave them away I threw them out they were gone in 10 minutes (laughs) it was so much fun we had the coolest booth Uh, everything was gone we had two van full of stuff it was like we were the only head shop so if you didn't bring pipes or papers or you know funky we had posters and we had all kinds of stuff and uh, I met one of my best friends there and the guy named Ken Bray he had a booth called Sorcerer's Apprentice. He was selling esoteric silver like dragons and queens and and Mesopotamia copies and Egyptian looking jewelry and we became best friends. We're still friends. It's like 60, 50 plus years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. 
He was great. I spent a lot of time with him the years after Woodstock. Oh, and uh, so, yeah, Art Buffum came, too. Art was still a good friend of mine, although I haven't seen him much. He was from my high school. He worked at the shop. Yeah, there were about five or six of us that went, seven maybe, two vans. And we just had a great time. And we all had staff passes. So we got to go up around the stage, behind the stage, etc. Did you meet any musicians? No. no I, I, was, I was hanging out at the booth. and. What you shows know, did you actually see? I saw Joe Cocker. I saw Richie Havens. Oh, I saw, of course, Sly and the Family Stone. I saw, I saw Jimi Hendrix do the Star Spangled Banner. Nice. That was so awesome. And that was like 2.33 in the morning or 1 o'clock in the morning or something. Knocked it out. Yeah. So was, let's talk about the drugs, Dad. Let's talk about the drugs. I didn't take any you hard drugs. You can talk drugs. about it here. It's okay. I didn't take any hard drugs. Okay, have you? I took uh, some acid. Okay. Okay. Yeah, a couple so, times. Let's talk about this for a second. So That was crazy, so, man. So had you taken acid before Woodstock? Yes. Yeah, okay. I didn't take acid at Woodstock. Did, did, so it was just getting high, smoking weed? Just smoking weed. But everybody was taking acid, right? A lot of people were taking acid. And then was, there was some bad acid going around. Yeah. Did was, someone die? No, I don't think anybody died, but I think a lot of people got rushed to the hospital. A lot of people, by the way, didn't get in. There were over a million people trying to get there. They turned them away 30, 40 miles from Woodstock. They blocked the roads off, turned people back. The people that did get in that didn't get to have a ticket, they knocked the wall down. There was a fence. Yeah, and eventually they just said, it's a free is for everybody. Yeah, free for everyone, it open it up. Yeah. And then they were cooking for everyone. It was great. It was pretty... No I, violence, No right? violence, zero. Everybody was taking care of each other. It was that perfect moment, you know, in history where people just were loving kindness. It was like Buddhism almost. It was just... Really, really great. And before that, I was kind of a major hippie anyway. My buddy Jeffrey Zader had a he had a dome at Scruton's Pond. There was a kind of a funky little hippie commune. And I used to go out there with my girlfriends. And we'd all sleep together, about the dead of us. <laughs> <laughs> call that a cuddle puddle. It was a cuddle puddle. <laughs> it was so innocent, but it was so fun. Ah, so what the heck happens at a hippie commune, Dad? Give us the lowdown. Everybody what builds. Everybody builds a dome. A uh, dome? Ken, yeah, a dome kind of tent thing. No, it's a dome. Out it's a what? dome house. Wood. Out of wood and yeah, a dome. Does the dome shape? harness the energies of the yeah, earth yeah 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 okay and the floor it's oh, most everybody had a raised floor and ken who owned the the pro the the place he had there was a pond and we a lot of people we on saturday and sunday we needed ken's place i didn't live there i i was a hippie you just go for the cuddle puddle i go for the cuddle puddle <laughs> and visit my friends they had great parties out at screw five they had like they had some hippie weddings they were awesome Nice. Hippie weddings. If you nowadays, everyone just tries to make their wedding look like a hippie wedding. Yeah, this was a real deal. Hippie this, it was a real deal. So, why do you, what do people do there? They all just pitch in. They work together. They cook together. But nobody works, right? 
Oh, people have jobs. So they leave the hippie commune to go to a job? Sometimes, and a lot of the guys living in this commune were going to school. Okay. Like my best friends, Jeffrey and Razel, who unfortunately aren't with us anymore. That was a tragic story, man. They were my best, best friends. And uh, I loved them. They were so great. And my brother was kind of a hippie, kind of not a real hippie, but kind of an outside hippie. And my brother was on his way to Mexico, and he drove Razel. I think it was my brother. Anyway, they got caught in the snowstorm. My brother went for help. I think it was, uh, no, they weren't, no, 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 no. They didn't go with my brother. They were going down to visit my brother and his girlfriend in Mexico. And they got caught in the snowstorm in Colorado, and the guy left the car running to go get help. And when he came back, Jeff and Razel were dead. They got asphyxiated. They had fallen asleep in the car, and the exhaust had pumped itself back into the car because of the snow buildup, and they died. That's exactly right? right. It's tragic, man. I went to the both funerals. I just was tragic. So tragic. So how yeah. are these people friends of yours from that era, from the commune? From college. Jeff and I were both philosophy students, and Razel went to school at UNH, and she was his boyfriend, girlfriend. They lived in New York City often. Uh, Jeff went to Union, uh, Union. What's the big school in New York? The big thing? Columbia. He was going to become a priest, like a non-religious kind of priest. But his dad, his brother, was the head chaplain at Yale University. Great guy. That was pretty tragic. That was pretty, pretty tragic. Sorry, Dad. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to... So after Woodstock... Well, no, we're not even... We haven't even touched on Woodstock yet. We're only 10 minutes in, and Woodstock is the most exciting thing ever. Well, I'll tell you, man, it was so... Let's talk about this for a second. Okay, Woodstock was the turning point when people realized that you could get a bunch... That many people together and be peaceful, right? That's exactly right. That's why it became a cultural... Phenomenon. Yeah, cultural phenomenon and so culturally significant... Uh, you know, everyone... No police. Everyone's hurt. No police. There wasn't a cop inside the ground. The security was run by the Woodstock people. And up until that point, hippies were probably looked at like skateboarders were or any outside subculture was to the adults, essentially. Exactly, Because they were not, you know, but in the end of the day, they all just wanted to be peaceful and have a good time. You know, same with most subcultures. And we didn't want war. We didn't want yeah. the Vietnam War. That was one thing we were all agreed on. We didn't want the war. We thought it was an unjust war, a stupid war, which in the end it was, by the well, way. Well, aren't, aren't they all? They're all. Pretty much. But unless, I mean, <laughs> I don't know about World War II and the Germans were pushing everybody. No, that was okay. That was, that was pretty bad, you know. Judy and I went to Auschwitz, and we, we were freaked out by Auschwitz. I mean, that was... <sighs> so... I've been to many festivals. I also have sold clothes at many festivals, taken after the old man here. <laughs> One such festival was Shambhala, which is a ravey, hippie festival in the forest. And, you know, the stages are all amongst the trees, and there's tree houses everywhere, and there's all these nature walks you can go we on. We didn't have any of that. This was at a farm this called farm, Tasker's yeah. Farm. Open fields. They built this huge stage. I mean, the stage was amazing. Most of the groups flew in. 
by helicopter. All, I said now they all did. Yeah, they all flew in because by you helicopter. couldn't drive in, and plus they didn't want to stay there, right? No. They're all getting get out. If yeah, but what I was gonna say is that I was hesitant to go to that festival because I was already like mid mid to late twenties at that point. But to Shambhala, to Shambhala, I didn't want to go there because I was like, you know, I'm, I'm I've outgrown this part of my life. But in the end, I enjoyed myself so much because there's something about these festivals, which which Woodstock started, I think, is that everyone is there to have such a good time and spread the love and connect to each other and just enjoy and get away from their everyday life and love each other. And just not have any restrictions and not have any social... No no holding back and no judgment no judgment on each other and no inhibition. Um, and until you really go experience festivals like this, you can't even understand it. Sort no. Of. You just can see it on TV. It's you got, you got to experience it. It's a feeling. It's a feeling that you can't look at. You can't see it. You have to experience it's, it. It's like that now in that one they have out in the desert. What's that called? Burning Man. Burning Man. I just talked to so many people. They get 50, 70, 100,000 people out in the desert for 10 days. And they all pitch up and build these camps. And, and there's no money. It's just bartering system. Bartering system. You share you know, your food. You're cooking for each other. You're having fun. The kids come. It's, it's awesome, man. And then the, the big thing about Burning Man, not a piece of paper is left there after it's over. Everything is exactly the way it was when they got Which there. Which is not the case with Woodstock. I've, no, I've Woodstock seen the was the, it was a disaster. <laughs> that would have been the worst thing to clean up, although you probably would have found some interesting stuff. Probably. Pipes, Pipes papers, papers, acid. <laughs> so, I'm, so anyway, we're, I, I get up on the stage... Because I'm tired. I've been there five days now. I'm burnt out. Give me the lead up to the, this story. This, this, you need to tell us the lead up. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm, it's hard to sleep. We slept in the booth. It's wet. Next to the booth was uh, uh, Paul Krasner and uh, Hoffa, Hoffman, the, uh, very, the famous uh, rebels. And they had a booth there. And... Uh, Anyway, to make a long story short, I was tired. I wanted to go home. I hadn't seen my crew for six, seven hours. They were all over the place. People were starting to leave. And so I had a a press pass. So they let me up on stage. They let me up on stage as soon as Jimi Hendrix uh, was finished. So this is the morning of the last day, right? Is he played in the morning? No, he played at like two, one, one in the morning. Oh, okay, okay. So he gave me the mic, and I said, right after Jimmy was done, Xanadu crew, if you don't get back to the van, you're staying here forever because I'm out of here. So within an hour, everybody got back to the van, and it took us forever to get out. We finally got out around 6 or 7 or 8 in the morning. And on the way back to New Hampshire, I'll never forget, we were all starving. So we go into this little restaurant, in the middle of nowhere in Upper State, New York, and uh, it's like eight or nine in the morning, and we're dirty and we're smelly and we look like the cat dragged us out of a hole. And six or seven of us walk in, and the girl sits us, and she—you could tell she can't believe who we are. And I take out a wad of money. I made so much money, and I threw it on the table, and I just said, "Feed us." <laughs> The girl couldn't believe it. It's a stack of 20s and 10s. And 
you know, in those days, 69 to have $10, it's like having a $100 bill now. And uh, it was great. We had such a good meal. She brought us eggs and bacon and cheese and toast and orange juice and fresh fruit. And I said, just feed us anything you got. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, then we got home and I took a couple of days off. And then Art and I heard about the Miami Pop Festival. So we closed, uh, we, we took off for the Miami Pop Festival. That's cool. And we did. So what else, what other stories you got from Woodstock? Oh, man. Is there any memories that stand out to you? I was stoned most of the time. It's pretty hard to bring it up to memory. Yeah. But I sure, Janice Persons came. She was great. She was John Persons, one of my high school, and he, John was still a friend of mine after high school. And uh, she she worked for me, Janice, and then Sue Gold, and then Billy Adams, who's still a very, very close friend of mine, one of my closest friends. And then my brother Rick, who was kind of who turned in to be a lawyer. Rick, yeah, was, he was a shit disturber in those yeah, days. Yeah, he was a shit disturber in those days. I think said, we might have touched on Rick in some other episodes. Yeah, he was crazy, man. And then, um, so yeah, explain like you saw a bunch of the shows. Where we where were you sitting or standing or where were you in the crowd during the shows? Well, I tried to stay up on the hill. It was like a hill like this. And then the stage. And there, when it rained, there was lots of water in the low-lying areas. So I didn't go down there. I, and I don't remember but a it's lot. Like, it was like a natural amphitheater, right? Yeah. So where was the booth compared to that? Booth was in the woods. There was a small area in the woods where they set up about 15 or 18 booths. And I was so privileged to be able to have a, a real booth. It was really something. I didn't have a lot to pack up when I left. It was just threw in a few things, and that was it. It was wild. It was wild. But Miami was really great, too, because Art and I drove down in the van. We only took one van down, and um, we got a booth. And at Miami, I met one of my longtime partners, Jack Weishaupt. He was there with his wife and his baby. He had a booth. He was doing leather goods. And Art and I were selling pipes and papers and incense and posters and some Harvey clothes. We did really, really well. We, we had a big wad of money. And uh, we didn't go back. We stayed there. You stayed in Miami? We stayed in Miami. Art was a real womanizer. And I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. And Art didn't have a girlfriend at the time. So there was a place called Coconut Grove just outside of Miami, which was a really hippie area. And in the Grove, every day at lunchtime from 12 to 3, they had free lunch. Nice. The hippies cooked a big free lunch for all the guys who wanted to come. So we, we hung out in Coconut Grove, and Art just got lots of girlfriends, and I used to get the leftovers. And <laughs> <laughs> some nights I'd sleep on the couch, and Art would be in there with these... With this beautiful oh. oh, my God. It was so crazy. It was so crazy. So you remember um, 1994? 94. What was 94? We went to Woodstock. The anniversary. Oh, yeah. I, that's right. 94. I took the kids and with my who buddy did, who, George. George and his kids. And right? his two boys. I took Jess and Andrew. And 1994, was, 25th anniversary. Yeah. We did it up. We did it up. I had a friend who was a promoter for uh, one of the big record companies, and they had a big tent. You remember that? 
Yeah, we had backstage. Yeah, we had backstage passes, and oh, we we camped. It rained again, right? One yeah. night. Oh yeah, it rained crazy, and then I remember like. We tried to leave early, and it was like a mud pit, and everyone was, well, you, I'm sure you, everyone listening to this has seen the photos, but if you haven't, just Google Woodstock 94, and you'll see it was a mud bath, and everyone was mud sliding and getting naked and getting soaked and, like, just going crazy that last day. Yeah. That last day was crazy, and then the parking lot was like a swamp, oh, yeah. so no cars could get out because you parked in like a cow pasture. Yeah. So when it poured rain, it was just mud, and no, everyone was stuck. In <laughs> what the- was your impression of being there with your dad? I honestly, I was so young. I was fourteen. I was like too young to really like enjoy the music as much as I would have later on. You know. How about Jess? He would have. He was 16. He probably enjoyed it more than me and had better memories of the music. But I remember listening to Metallica um, from that backstage area. I don't even remember a lot of the bands, to tell you the to- honest truth. Um, but it was a crazy lineup. And I remember like being backstage. I remember where we had our tent set up backstage. Um, and I remember walking around the festival and everyone was just going nuts. I was just too young to like appreciate it yeah my buddy George not with us anymore George Paley owned uh, half a dozen great stores in Lawrence Kansas he was a customer of mine and we became really good friends and his wife Judy and he died of pancreatic cancer boy that was sad he fought it for eight years you know as soon as he got pancreatic cancer he quit that day he quit his business gave it to his kids he owned a lot of property, became an artist. And he, for eight years, he did art and went to all these free clinics for his pancreatic cancer. Great guy, George Paley. Wow. So what memories do you have from 94? Well, there were some current bands there. Do you remember? They were all current. No, there were some old. Crosby Stills played okay. from the old. There were a half a well, dozen. Yeah, there was lots of bands from my generation, from, the, from that era. Yeah. I had a good time. Let's I look up the lineup. 1994. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. Okay. Keep, keep talking about something. Yeah. All right. So anyway, Art and I went to the thing, and then I met this keep guy. talking about 94. Well, I, wanted, I don't remember a lot about 94, except George was there. We had a couple of tents. I had this friend who worked for the record company, and we got to get out of the rain because there was a huge tent behind the stage that was promoted, and we had a pass to it, and they had beer in there so I remember being able to drink because you weren't allowed to drink alcohol outside and they always had a buffet so we weren't hungry the whole time I don't remember the guy's name but he was so good to me wow hey you got a Burton jacket up there huh? yeah the whole wall's covered in Burton okay here's the here's the band there was something called Ra- I remember this they had rave stock so after the bands played they turned on rave stock and I remember now me, this is good we gotta look this up me and Jesse went raving and they would just turn the the big stages into like a rave like electronic thing really yeah um, so that was sick okay Violent Femmes Candlebox Collective Soul Cheryl Crow King's X James Live Del, Amitri, Jackal, Blues Traveler, Hoffamoose, The Goats, Peace Bomb, The Paul Luke Band, Lunch Meat, Abba Rage, Futu Futu, Three, Masters of None, Rogue. Oh, this is just one stage. Jeez. That was just day one. Hold on. Okay, Saturday. Joe Cocker, Blind Melon. I remember seeing Cypress Hill. That was sick. Um, Rollins Band, Melissa Etheridge, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. You're right. 
Nine Inch Nails, Metallica, Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Oh, my God. I, saw, I remember them. And I saw Joe Cocker and Crosby. Uh, side note to Aerosmith. Uh, my first concert of all time with a date was Aerosmith. A shout out, Eliza Lie. I took you. I don't know how I got tickets to Aerosmith, but this is at the, the Sky Dome. Really? Yeah, in Toronto. The Sky Dome in Toronto. Uh, somehow I won tickets to Aerosmith because I, I was not an Aerosmith fan. Uh, Did no you like it? But yeah, it was super cool because it was like it was like a stadium concert, like a real stadium concert, right? Wow! Like there's there's a difference between like going to see a band at like a big bar venue or like a stadium venue where they have like pyrotechnics and like you know when you go see Iron Maiden, it's like a it's like a show, it's like a Broadway show. Yeah, and they wear these outfits, outfits, changes of outfits, crazy. like it's crazy. So that was my first like stadium show Aerosmith that took Eliza Lie had to get mom or maybe you took us and dropped us and then picked us up Eliza Lie it's like an hour away from home anyway oh, but then man. also I grew up with my homie Jesse Kramer who is Joey Kramer's son from Aerosmith so I got to go to Joey Kramer's house when I was in high school the drummer I have all these weird ties to Aerosmith I got to go to Joey Kramer's house, who was the drummer from Aerosmith. I was actually biking with Jesse Kramer last weekend in Pasadena during the Rose Bowl. Uh, he's still a good friend of mine. He And he got to go on tour as their backup drummer, I believe, recently. And um, Anyway, Aerosmith. Much love to Aerosmith. <laughs> who else is playing? Okay, so then we got the South Stage. Nene Nanad Bach, the Cranberries. I, I probably didn't see that, but I should have. Yusu Endure, the band, Hot Tuna, Primus. Fuck, did I see Primus? My memory's so bad at this. I wish. Salt and Peppa. You were a kid, man. You I was were a kid. baby. I was a baby. I was, can you believe I brought my 14-year-old son? But I knew Jesse would watch it. Okay, here's, you want to hear, this is funny. Notable events from Woodstock 1994. Blind Melon frontman Shannon Hoon played Woodstock in his girlfriend's dress while tripping on LSD. Oh, great. Just great. Just great. Oh, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Aphex Twin performance was cut short when promoter disconnected his mid sh- him mid-show for singing a fake name on a con... For... Sorry. For signing a fake name on a contract, which would forfeit Polygram's rights to his performance. No shit. So they pulled his plug because he signed the wrong name, so they couldn't use his music in the, in the later releases of the album or something. Wow. Did they release a 94 album? Oh, yeah. Nine Inch Nails had the largest crowd density at the event, overshadowed many of the other performers. Just before going on stage, they wrestled each other in the mud and went on to perform completely wet and covered in mud. Hence, I was telling you... Ah. Okay, hold on. Oh, you started again. I think it's got a maximum time, but it'll just be two clips. It's fine. Okay, we're back. Okay, Nine Inch Nails had the largest crowd density at the event, overshadowed many of the other performers. Just before going on stage, they wrestled each other in the mud and went on to perform completely wet and covered in mud. I told you it was crazy rainy and muddy and everyone was just going for it. It was like, there's sick videos. you got to Google it. Um, I'll try to put some on. I'll put a couple clips on here. Reznor admitted that while he disliked playing at such a large show, it was done for the money. To be quite frank, it's basically to offset the cost of the tour we're doing right now. The performance of Happiness is Slavery at the festival won the Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance in 1996. 
Oh, here we go. Aerosmith, Joey Kramer, Joe Perry, and Steve Tyler were all at the original Woodstock Festival in 1969. That's right. <laughs> Aerosmith performed around 3 to 4 a.m. right after an extensive fireworks display from Metallica. Tyler said on the liner notes from the album during their set, it rained like a cow pissing on a flat rock. <laughs> <laughs> it always rains at these at these Woodstock events. Oh, this is sick. <clears throat> during Primus' performance of the song My Name is Mud, the audience responded by pelting the band with mud, which singer-bassist Les Claypool ended by informing the crowd that, you know, when you throw things on stage, it's a sign of small and insignificant genitalia. <laughs> Claypool claims that he still has mud in his base cabinets as of as late as 2014. Great, great. It's the world of Woodstock. They tried to pull off the 50th. I was going. <clears throat> I was going to try to get a booth. I still have my Xanadu sign from 1969 at the beach. I was going to bring it with me. But they couldn't pull it off. Nobody could pull it off. It didn't happen, which was a real disappointment. Bummer. <clears throat> Bummer. But the good news is, at Miami Pop, I began my career as a ragman because I met my one of my two partners. Um, oh, Jack Weishaupt. There was Jack and Marty and Dave. Marty I already knew from the beach. Jack I met at the Miami Pop, became very good friends with him. Oh, telephone. Let's turn it off. I will. <laughs> I will. Sorry. She's rude. So Sorry. rude. There's people Sorry. out there spending their own time. They're taking their own time out Sorry. of their day to Sorry. listen to us right I now. Didn't, I forgot to turn it off. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, I got to go. I got to get down to the States. That's, but we haven't even done like, we've hardly done anything. Really? This is short. Okay, let's do more. So anyway, I met Jack and then Jack and I and Marty in 1970. Okay, I'm going to go back to Woodstock 69 for a sec, okay? Yes. Let's see if we can get some memories happening here. Go ahead. Okay. Richie Havens. Did you see it? Yes, great. Fabulous. Okay, it says, was moved up to the opening performance slot after Sweetwater were stopped by police en route to the festival and other artists were delayed in the freeway. So you saw that one? Yeah. How was it? Fabulous. What about Sachin Dananda? I saw Santana. I saw Santana. Was that? That's not Santana, is it? No, I didn't see the next person. (laughs) Sweetwater? No. Burt Summer? Burt Summer, I caught one song. Tim Harden? Nope. Ravi Shankar? No. I'm, Ravi Shankar was the Beatles' favorite human. He played through the rain, apparently. What about Melanie? Arlo Guthrie? I saw Arlo, and I've seen Arlo three or four times since, and he's still playing. He's in his uh, <clears throat> early 70s, like like me, and uh, doing really well. Joan Baez or Baggy Baez? No, I didn't. Joan Baez, she was famous, man. Country Joe McDonald? Yes, Country Joe and the Fish. Fantastic. Santana, you saw. Oh, Santana. Car- Carlos Santana! I love Carlos. <laughs> <laughs> it says he was that the his best. drummer, Michael Shreve, was the youngest musician to play at the festival. Wow. John Sebastian? No. Keith Hartley Band? No. I was busy at the booth. Mountain, Grateful Dead? 
I did see the Grateful Dead, but not the whole performance. Their set ended after a 50-minute version of Turn On Your Love Light. 50 minutes. 50 minutes. 50 minutes! That's sick, That's man. crazy! They are the best. The dead were the best. Holy I took these moly. guys to see the dead. Was it you? No, it was Jesse and... No, uh, it was me. UK? Yeah. You. That was sweet. So that was also probably 1994 or 1993. Uh, 1993. In Buffalo, New York. Full dead. Buffalo, New York. Rich stadium. Home of the Buffalo Bills. Um, you want to know what, what the definition of contrast? Going to a Buffalo Bills tailgate party then going to a grateful dead parking lot party yeah <laughs> that is about as opposite as you can get in the same place that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we probably did both within the span of a month what a fun thing huh oh man because my dad aka uh the dawn had buffalo bills tickets for the glory years when the bills went to super bowls three years in a row and lost Three years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that was Buffalo sad. Bills. Boy, I love losing Super Bowls. I love those guys, though. Marv Levy, but, forever. Uh, Jim Kelly. Okay. Bruce so, Smith. Bruce, so, Bruce, yeah, Bruce. You go to a Buffalo Bills game, probably the best tailgate parties of all time, in my opinion, although I've only been to a few stadiums. It's like you got, you know, guys painted in Zubaz, Buffalo Bills, striped paint, partying, Eating chili dogs, drinking kegs of beer. Like, what else goes on at tailgate? Oh, man. Just getting ready for the game. Playing beer pong and whatever. Getting ready for the game, man. Getting psyched. Just getting fired up. Getting real fired up. Getting real fired up. Man, 65,000 people. I sat in that stadium in a foot of snow. That's how that's how devoted those guys were. And there wasn't a seat available. And then we go to the Grateful Dead concert, and it's a bunch of hippies getting high Selling T-shirts in the parking lot. That's right. Friggin', it's like a hippie little, you know, like one of those Tibetan market. Pr- Tibetan prayer flags waving in the breeze. Yeah. What yeah. else? What else? How can we paint this picture any better? It um, was like it's like a bindi bazaar for oh, hippies. Oh man, you it know, was peace and love, baby, peace and love. And that concert was, was Sting and the Grateful Dead. Do you remember Sting? Yeah, I don't remember. It was Sting and Grateful Dead. Oh my God. Yeah, it was Sting and Grateful Dead. I remember we went with, so it was you, me, Rich, your employee. Rich Lebedek? Rich Lebedek, was it not? I think so. And also the other guy. The, the guy who made all the t-shirts later on? Uh, what's his name? Um, anyway, a couple of my dad's employees. My brother and his buddy Benji. I was so young, I wasn't really smoking dope yet, but Benji and Jesse were, so they snuck off to go get high somewhere in the crowd. We had seats. We had, it's like you had, there was like a, obviously on the, there was floor tickets and there was seated tickets, right? Yeah, we had, we, were we had seats. seats. Yeah. Wow. Who, uh, I remember, I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It was wow. a great time. I, I, and I did get the t-shirt from that show later on. I never, I don't, I don't know if we bought t-shirts from that at the event I then, but I recently refound a T-shirt from that Buffalo show, which I still have, and I got it from Sean Witherspoon. Shout out Sean Witherspoon for hooking that shirt up. He gave it to me, I believe, as a gift. Ugh. And um, yeah, super sick, super sick show. That was like a highlight. While we're on the subject of concerts, first concert my dad ever took us to was the Victory Tour, Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. 
That was so much fun. Mom went. Was with that me. also Buffalo? That was Buffalo. Also Buffalo. Was New Mom York. there too or no? I don't think so. I think you took Jesse and me. Maybe uh, she oh. came. No, I don't think so. They wore their Michael Jackson jackets. They had these cute little Michael Jackson. We went crazy. We loved it. It was. I literally spent the whole concert on top of my dad's shoulders, so I could see over the crowd. It was awesome. Because I was so young. It was awesome. Michael was, Jackson, shout out, man. Shout out, Michael Jackson. That was the Victory Tour. Was the last tour. With his brothers when they were transitioning out of being the Jackson Five, they were so good. They were they they had dancers to knock your feet up. I mean, it was great. Yeah, that's a stadium show. Lights, pyrotechnics. Oh yeah, everything's going on, man. It's like a full sensory overload. So how old were you? Eleven, twelve? No, I would have been like, this was the eighties. I would have been like five. Nah, not that young. Yep, five. I would have been like five, Dad, because I'll look it up right now. Victory Tour. What year was it? Buffalo. Victory Tour. Yeah. Now, I think you had to be at least eight or nine. No. No? So, keep talking. <laughs> well, What else do you remember about the Victory Tour? Uh, I remember that it was so much fun and the... the 84. I was four years old. You were four years old. I was four old. years old. Jesse was six. I remember being very little. No, I was on your shoulders. Ma, I couldn't, Ma must have came Dad, with us. Dad, I couldn't be on your shoulders at eight years old. Okay, but Ma must have came with us. I couldn't. She wouldn't have let me take you by yourself. Maybe she came. Uh, she probably came. She must have come. Ma must have came. We all, we all went. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, that was a weird little interlude. So what do you remember? Not much. I don't remember these things. I remember going. I remember the wonderful dancing on the stage. I remember Michael Jackson singing with his thing. But I remember the choreography was fantastic. He put it together really well. And it was fun. Just a great time. I had a really, really good time. We used to go a lot in Buffalo to uh, uh, an Italian restaurant called... Chefs. Chefs. If you're in Buffalo, go check out Chef's. Great. It's a great, great restaurant. Been there for like 50 years. I don't know how long. We used to stop all the time on the way to the ski chalet. We had, we also. Are, La Hacienda Pizza Place. They make great food too. Yeah, good spot. Check it out. Yeah. Um, I think we should get back to talking about drugs though. Drugs? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Why not talk about drugs? I um, didn't do a lot people, of drugs. That, I did a okay. lot of weed. Yeah, you, were, you were an entrepreneurial hippie. You were a. Entrepreneurnippy. Entrepreneurnippy. <laughs> I coined that term right now. So if you're going to use it, please, you know. Entrepreneurnippy. <laughs> he was an entrepreneurial hippie. So he probably didn't do as much drugs as the actual hippies because he was busy trying to make his life happen. But can you remember doing acid? Oh, yeah. I did it with two other guys. I don't even the remember. The first time? Yep. I don't remember what their name was, but I remember we were so whacked. We did it in Dover, New Hampshire, and we uh, we ended up walking around town just crazed out, and we spent about a half so hour. So you walked around town, and you were interacting with other people? I think we were, but I remember the thing that I remember the most is we got to a McDonald's. And we got up to the glass of the McDonald's, and the three of us were looking in the glass at the McDonald's as if it was a movie theater. And people were looking at us like we were crazy. And then finally we realized, we better get out of here. We might, they may call the police or something. So we, we left. 
<laughs> crazy, man. That's awesome. I don't remember all that stuff. I just, just remember staring at people eating their Big Macs. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was like a movie. Like back in those early days, like like when acid hit the because acid <laughs> would have been a new drug then, right? And a lot of my friends did it. And they did it consistently. They would trip out. Do you ever have any friends that did too much and they never came back from to be normal? No, I don't think so. No. There was a few people from our generation. I think most of my friends were in college. So they had college on one hand and they had their rebellious thing on the other. Great parties. And I also, when I was in college, I went to a lot of fraternity parties. My my. My buddies from high school all ended up football players, and they were in Theta Chi, so I used to go to their their parties. So I was kind of on the edge a little of the other side of the world. <clears throat> yeah. Living on the edge. On the edge. What other drugs were popular back in those days? Oh, boy. Cocaine? Cocaine. I did some cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I did some cocaine. That was a sex drug, really. That was crazy. But mostly I did weed. I did weed. And I tried never to smoke when I was around my shop. That was not very cool. <clears throat> Even though oh, it was a weed shop, head shop? Yeah. But I'll tell you something. The police were very... And a shout out to the police at Hampton, New Hampshire. They never... They gave me... They really treated me well. They really didn't. They didn't come over and hassle me. They never tried to close me. They never tried to interfere with my business. They were good people. They really were. Anyway, I got to really go, man. I got to drive. So okay, the next, we're going to call it at that. Yeah. We're going to go after 69. Well, I guess we'll be into the 70s. We'll be into the 70s and the start of the rag machine, how it got started, how the first wholesaler rags got started. We'll talk about um, the grass is greener. In Vermont, we'll talk about... Uh, that's way later. That's way later. Hey, what was my store in... Uh, in pastures? No, my store in Manchester. South Pacific? No, no, not South Pacific. Rag Barrier? Rag Barrier. We'll talk about the Rag Barrier. Too many stores. Oh, yeah, the Rag Barrier was great. Just great. I okay. mean... Thank you, Dad. You're welcome. It. Hey, nice talking to you guys. We will be back soon. If you got this far on the podcast or the video, please like it. Please share it with your friends. Yeah. Please subscribe to the channel. Please give me a review on iTunes. Dave's life depends on it. No, no, it doesn't. (laughs) Drew likes doing this stuff. He enjoys it. So I'm going to support him. He's my son. Yeah. Go out and... Frankie Collective, yeah, get check those rags. Frank, Frankie Collective. Enjoy your lives. Be good to each other. Peace, love, and happiness. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.